Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. Two years on from Senegal ending their wait for glory, AFCON returns this weekend. Sadio Mane with a chance for history for Senegal! The Lions of Taranga are the champions! Does this year's tournament represent Mo Salah's best chance to finally lay claim to being king of the continent? Meanwhile, Andre Onana, one of Africa's most high-profile players, once again sees his international career in jeopardy. As ever with AFCON, there is so much to get into. I'm Ayoa Kimulare. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. In for this one, we have a man who's played three AFCONs, reaching the 2012 final with the Ivory Coast. Sol Bamba, so good to have you with us. Good to be here. Thank you for the invite, lads. And also flying the flag for the Athletic. And he's going to be heading out himself. Uh, we've got Jay Harris as well. Jay, you're ready, man. 32 degrees out there. Yeah, I mean, you just told me that a second ago and I'm a little bit worried now. So I'm definitely going to have to order some shorts in the next week or two. Let's talk about this tournament. Look, AFCON comes with its controversies. It comes with its drama. And in, in Yoruba, we call it Wahala. Uh, but inevitably, the tournament goes on and it provides a spectacle for African fans um, and global fans in, in, in tow. Now, the tournament is being hosted in the Ivory Coast for the first time since 1984. So this is massive for the Ivory Coast, isn't it? Absolutely huge. Listen, we're so excited. Obviously, it was meant to be a couple of years before. And unfortunately, with everything happening in Africa, it was a season where it was a lot of rain and all that. So we changed it with Cameroon. So the, the, the fans and the whole country is buzzing. We can't wait for it. You know, we're only a couple of days away from it. We're ready. We want to show a good spectacle. We want to show to the world we can uh, host events like that. And I think it'd be it'd be fantastic. I know I'm a bit biased, of course, but honestly, I can't wait. The, the older stage of my ready, the fan can't wait. The facilities are there. You know, we we have to give credit to the federation. You know, and our president Alassane Ouattara because he made like a big point where you know he want to make sure 
like people remember that that Afcon. So we have to give him credit for that. Like everything is ready, and uh, we just wait for the the player to give us like the best spectacles they can. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they always say you know having home advantage could be a really good thing, but that, I mean the pressures on Avery Coast's shoulders right now to to perform. Yeah, massively. And I think, listen, the last the last edition we didn't do well. We we went we went out on the they can say Jeep in penalty shooters. So, you know, it was massive disappointment disappointment for us. We are home, massive pressure. We know we have to deliver. And for ourselves as well, we're a big nation of, of football in Africa. Um, we have to deliver, you know, so we, we're going to be ready, definitely. Well, during the tournament, the Athletic will, of course, be across AFCON. And we already have feet on the ground, actually, in the Ivory Coast. Simon Hughes has already touched down on Wednesday evening. Right, I'm here in Marquery, which is one of the, the districts in Abidjan. As soon as you leave the airport, uh, you see a huge billboard advertising. There's tournaments, there's bunting everywhere, the tricolor flag of Ivory Coast everywhere. There's a sense of a sort of a party about to start, really. I had a little wander around this morning in daylight, and the first thing that you notice is the humidity. It is very, very, very hot and moist. Lots of people on the flight coming for the tournament. I spoke to one girl who born and brought up in Paris but lives in London and she is just desperate to be here. She just wants to be in the country that her parents were born at a major moment in its history. And yeah, there's just a sense of anticipation at the moment. Yeah, Jay, as I mentioned earlier, you're following Sai out there. Um, you'll be reporting on the knockout stages. How excited are you? I know you've already been to Qatar in 2022. So technically, you know what heat feels like. But this is this is Africa, my friend. This is a whole different beast. <laughs> no, obviously, um, I'm so excited. It's always been a dream of mine to to visit Africa. I mean, I went to uh, Sham El Sheikh in Egypt when I was 14 and I don't think I left the hotel so <laughs> uh, and obviously Western and Central Africa is very different to uh, North Africa so it's always something I've wanted to do so firstly from that perspective to just broaden your horizons and experience different cultures I'm yeah overwhelmed super excited uh, and then of course actually watch the football itself um, I can obviously remember really idolizing the Ivory Coast team that had, you know, Drogba, Yaya, Kolo, and I've spoken to Sal about this before. And then also that Ghana side that had Essien, Azamo, Jean and got to the 2010 World Cup. So to go over and watch it firsthand, I'm, I'm yeah, super excited. Yeah, I mean, look, AFCON to the continent. And, you know, I was born in Nigeria. I was born in a city called Ibadan uh, before we moved to England when I was eight years old. And, you know, AFCON's been in our hearts. You know, we talk about players, golden age, 1994, when Nigeria won AFCON. JJ <laughs> Peter Rafai, Taribo West, Finidi George, Sunday Elise, Luanku Kanu. I mean, who else can I throw at Ikpeba, Agahoa? I mean, these are big, big African names. And I'm just thinking about it. So, you know, uh, Jace mentioned some names there as well. I'm thinking about Mustafa Hadji from Morocco. We think about Roger Miller from Cameroon. I mean, this is a tournament that can make African stars as well and actually propel them to, to the world stage. Absolutely. It's huge. Listen, that, that's just what memory the all the names you just you, you just mentioned there. I remember watching the, the 1992 when we won it against Ghana. Uh, I was watching it with my dad, and that 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 feeling you got, you know, um, about African football is just different, you know. Uh, like you said, after those tournaments, big star uh, ended up a massive club in Europe, you know. And I think is is two things: is is 
it's pride for ourselves or we want to do well for our continent and our country. And at the same time, it puts you on the map to go and play at the, uh, in the best club in the world. But I think first and foremost, all African players will tell you that they want to do well for the continent and for their, their, their respective team. And uh, this tournament is massive and it's getting better, better every year because we got better players playing in a, in a better league. So they bring that back to, to, to the national team and it's only going to get better and better again. So I mean, I'm very excited about it because this one in particular, I think is going to be the toughest one for the last 10, 15 years comfortably because it's, it's probably five or six teams can win it. You know, so I'm so excited about it. Yeah, I want to talk to you about who you think will win it in a second. And, and Jay, from your perspective, I don't know, sometimes we come at this with uh, European goggles and I guess I've got that duality. So I understand that sort of feeling of like local pride as, a, as an African someone from the continent. But for, for you going out there, Jay, uh, what, what do you feel about AFCON? I mean, are you are you feeling like I'm going to be seeing some of the greatest players uh, in the Premier League? I'm going to see some of the greatest players in the world. Or are you just there on a cultural journey as well? I think it's a it's a combination of both. Like I'm certainly looking forward to like watching the Ivory Coast team in their home country. I think the atmosphere is going to be amazing. And um and I had I've had a friend that went to the um 2019 Afcon in Egypt, and I remember watching his Instagram stories, thinking like this is amazing. Get me out there. It just really felt like a carnival. You obviously mentioned I went to Qatar and the Morocco fans were my highlight of that tournament. I was there when they knocked out Spain on penalties, and it was just incredible I, I can't stress to people enough how just absurd Moroccan fans went it was like such a special moment for them and so that was obviously on a on a different continent so to be able to be in a continent that's absolutely living and breathing football and experience that really excited but then you look at some of the players not just in the Premier League you've got obviously Osman who's who's the CAF footballer of the year anyways he's been doing incredible things over the last few seasons really excited to to watch him play but then I also feel like we do often approach this tournament with a bit of a Eurocentric lens, but actually some of the best players are those players that are playing in domestic leagues that completely surprise you and come out of nowhere. So I'm actually probably more looking forward to, to that than the players I do know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, I mean, we, we've got to talk about 2012, man. I'm, I'm really sorry, brother. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I know you were so close to lifting that wonderful AFCON Cup, but I mean, we were just talking about it earlier, me and the producer guy, and we, we realised... You guys hadn't conceded an entire goal that tournament, but also you get to the final, and 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 I know it's football. It's gotta hurt, hasn't it? It does hurt. Um, it's better now. I've got to say, um, you, look, you look definitely better. You look back now when you. It's a mixed feeling because you are proud because you went to the final. But you know, it's a famous say a manager used to say to me all the time: you don't play a final, you win it. You know, and if you don't win it, you remember. So it, it hurt, but obviously looking back, even the whole tournament, we don't, we didn't consider goal. But even before that, I think it was like a year and a half. Colo uh, and I were playing centre half, and we didn't consider goal for for the whole year. And obviously, we 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 went to that tournament and didn't consider any goals the whole tournament as well. So we were very proud about that. And even you know the final, we, we it was nil nil, and we lost in penalties, but. You know, you look back and you 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 proud about all those small things, but the bigger picture it was about it's, it's about winning it and lifting that trophy. And we we were very unfortunate we didn't do it. You know, um, spoke to Drogba a couple of weeks ago, still hurt him because you know he played longer than me in the national team. I think I played over ten years, and you know we we never won it. We went to a couple of World Cup, we played a few uh, African Cup of Nations, but never won it. And the minute we stopped, the year after or two years after. They ended up winning it in, in, in 20, 2015, you know, so, 
you are happy because it's your country. But deep down, you know, you're like, you know, I missed a trick here, you know. What does it feel like to play with a, a, a golden generation? Um, because we, we talk about Kolo, we talk about Yaya in that team. We look at uh, Emmanuel Ebue, we look at uh, Drogba, Kalou, Javinho. I mean, top, top players playing in big clubs uh, across Europe. I've never been able to speak to any of the Super Eagles and ask them what that felt like <laughs> at their time. But for you, being part of that sort of next wave of, of African superstars, what does that feel like? You know what? You to be fair, we don't we don't think about it because you you play, you come in, uh, you, you train with them, you, you laugh with them, and uh, you know you, you're disappointed with them when you lose game. You don't see it that way. I think the way when we realized we are the golden generation, it was when we played friendly games in Europe. I remember we played France one day, and at the end of the game, we had Patrick Vieira came in the dressing room. At, at the time, I think he was playing with Colo at Arsenal, and he said to us, "You guys are just." Crazy, and we were all like, "Wow!" <laughs> but because you focus on winning the Afcon, because you haven't won it since '92, but the team you got and the generation you got, you should think about winning the World Cup. And we all look at each other. And said, "To be fair, he got a point here." And he said, "That's how you guys have to see." But we don't look ourselves like that. We knew we were good players, and we had a great generation. But we went between ourselves. We were never saying we had a golden generation. That was for journalists or fans, you know. I think when you're in it, you don't realise and when you stop, you're like, gosh, we missed a trick there, you know. Mm, massive, massive. Well, let's talk about who we're looking at in terms of favourites for, for the tournament. Obviously, Ivory Coast will be one. I'll, I'll come back to you in a second, Sol, but Jay, from a, a journalistic point of view, like, who, who who are you looking at? Who are you thinking? Do you know what? I know Senegal won it last year, but you mentioned Morocco as well. I mean, we can't forget what they did in the World Cup. Yeah, of course, Morocco are definitely going to be up there. First African team to, to ever reach the semi-finals of a World Cup. I mean, Walid Ragwawi, what he did with that team was was incredible. They've obviously got Ziyech, uh, Amrabat, Aguerd at the back, Hakimi. How could I nearly forget Hakimi? So they're obviously definitely serious contenders. Um, and they've got, I think, a reasonably pleasant group. I know they've got the Congo in there. Senegal, you can't discount. Obviously, Mane, Koulibaly, Mendy probably in their own golden generation, as it were. Alucise is an incredible coach as well. They've got a player called Lamine Kamara, who I'm quite interested to see what he does. He's basically the CAF Young Player of the Year. He won the Player of the Tournament at the um, Under-20 Africa Cup of Nations last year. So really excited to see where he fits into the equation. And then obviously Nigeria. I mentioned Osimhen earlier, but it's not just Osimhen. Really, unfortunately, Victor Boniface has been incredible for Leverkusen this season. He's had to pull out with with injury and he's had to undergo surgery, actually. But I mean, Osimhen's still got Chukwesi, who's at AC Milan, Lookman, Atlanta, and obviously English fans will know well from his time with um, Everton and Fulham in the Premier League. Um, they've got Calvin Bassey, who's a phenomenal defender. They've got Frank Onyeka at Brentford. So I think all through that Nigeria team, there's a lot of quality, but they've not actually had that good results in the last 12 yeah, to 18 months. Uh, yeah, as you know, so it's about whether you can actually find that blend in time for the big tournament or not. What are you thinking, Sol? Well, obviously, I'm going to be biased, but it's not just for bias <laughs> reasons. But I, of course, have to be up there. We are home. We've got a very, very good squad. I think it depends on the system you want to play and which, which player is going to start. Uh, the last three friendly games, we play three different systems. So we have to wait and see on that. I think, obviously, Morocco have to be up there. Egypt, because they, they got the know-how, they won the seven times, you know. And obviously, Senegal, because of um, they're the African uh, champions. So it's obviously very, very difficult to win it twice. But funny enough, I don't jump on my floor. 
I didn't put Nigeria in there for only reason oh. I would tell you. No, no. <laughs> That's why I said, don't jump on me. <laughs> you know what? Can we just take him off now? No more. No more. <laughs> You're going to agree with me right here because exactly like Jay said, going forward, top players, you know, obviously Boniface would be a massive loss. But for me, as you know... AFCON's not about goals. Exactly. Exactly. There you go. You, you said it. You're you right. said it. You're right. You're and right. I, I was just about to tell you that defensively, you have to be... Top to, to, to go all the way to the final and win it. It's not going forward and it's not scoring goals. You know what we said? Strikers score goals and win your game and defender win your title. Unfortunately, Nigeria doesn't have that. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> so, can can I ask you a question quickly? What's going on with Wilfred Zaha not being in the Ivory Coast squad? Is that an unusual situation? Yeah, exactly. I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. I think the manager mentioned the balance of the team. He said, oh, I've got already three, four white winger um, and white foot players. Well, to me, that's an excuse. Listen, you pick your top player and as a manager, it's your job to, to, to get the best out of them. But I think the truth is, we didn't have a good behaviour every time he came to us. You know, came late, pick and choose when what, what game he want to play. Uh, he asked to to come like two days before games, you know, and that's the problem. And the, the biggest reason as well, he didn't he didn't gel with the rest of the group. He's a funny character, you know. He's, he's, he's a lovely guy, but he keeps himself for himself. You know, he doesn't he doesn't speak to anybody, and that you know in the group and in African culture doesn't doesn't go well. Purely quality wise, he, he have to be on the squad hundred percent. But you know, we, we have to be honest. We we all know he's, he's, it's because of his behaviour having been picked. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akinwalere. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. For me, that's Andrew Nana is shooting us in the foot. He's shooting himself in the foot. If I was in the squad, I wouldn't have that. You can't play a game the day before and think that you're going to fly out and then comes on the continent and play another game. Just the thought of it for me is just totally insane. All right, that was Sebastian Bassong speaking on the BBC World Football at AFCON podcast. Ahead of the tournament, one of the most heated debates has centred around Manchester United and Cameroon goalkeeper Andre Onana and his involvement in the tournaments. Joining us to talk about his inclusion in the Cameroon squad, who he plans to join up with after Manchester United's Premier League game, with Tottenham on Sunday, we have the Athletics' Mark Critchley. Oh, Mark, Andre Anana, man, where do we even start? I mean, from, from his appointment as goalkeeper to Manchester United, to a few gaps in the Premier League, to whether or not he's even going to AFCON. I mean, the issues with Samueletto alone. When do we begin with this? Talk to me. So he withdrew from Qatar 2020 to the World Cup squad there, and he announced his international retirement 
He's since been brought back into the Cameroon fold, but not going to AFCON till technically the day he plays the match or 24 hours before he plays the match. Can you just clarify this, please? Well, yeah, you, you pretty much made the best of a, a very complicated situation right there <laughs> in your summary, I've got to say. Um, it's been an absolute nightmare to cover from the start. But yes, we have to start the World Cup last year. So Anana retired from international football following that tournament. He played in the first game against Switzerland. He was dropped for the next game against Serbia. Um, at the time, this was kind of characterised as a falling out between him and head coach Rigobert Song. But you're right, it was... More of a disagreement with Samueto, who is the president of the Cameroonian F- FA now and has been since 2021. Our understanding is that, that was, it was kind of over Anana's playing style. We all know he's a goalkeeper who likes to, uh, you know, he, he likes to play the ball. He likes to take risks. Eto felt that he should play more conservatively. And Anana felt that would be him not staying true to himself, if you like. Um, so he was dropped for the Serbia game. He watched that from the hotel. And after it had finished, he got a flight ticket and a boarding pass saying, you're on your way back home. And and so he retires for international football. And usually, right, that would be the end of it. And um, you wouldn't expect him to be playing for, for Cameroon again. And that was very much the case when he joined Manchester United this summer. But um, I think there's, <laughs> that's not the way <laughs> that it's transpired <laughs> since. And I think that's for two reasons. So firstly... Anana, kind of like Eto before him, really, he's he's a star of Cameroonian football. And for him not to be playing for Cameroon is seen as a failing on on the Federation's part, on on everyone involved's part, basically. And so quite a lot of influential interest in Cameroon wanted to see this matter resolved for AFCON. So that's the first thing. Secondly, and I've got to say the most fascinating thing that I've found out while covering the story is that there's actually no way to really retire from international football. There's no kind of exhaustive rules and no set process around the way you do it. The rules do say any player can retire from international football. You have to tell the federation that you don't want to be selected anymore. And that's how it works. And in 99.99% of cases, that's the end of it. This is the 0.001% or whatever, right? (laughs) Unfortunately for all of us. So the rules also say, importantly, the rules also say that when a player receives a call up, they're expected to accept it. So essentially, Anana's in the position where what happens when you retire from international football, but the Federation picks you anyway? And that is the kind of gap in the rules that has has been, uh, yeah, that has been the issue here. I think there's been a lot of talk over the last few months over whether about this being his decision, if you like, and will he go or won't he go? I think the longer this story went on, it kind of became clearer and clearer that Cameroon were going to call him up whether he wanted them to or not. And so um, when he got that first recall in August, he, after a few days, after the talks with lawyers, him and his team, that was accepted as much as a player can accept it. He went, played against Burundi. They qualified for the AFCON. He's played twice more since then. The relationship with Eto is, from my understanding, is no better than it was a year ago. I think you can see in some of the statements that were released at the time when he came back, you didn't have to read too hard between the lines to see that there's still some tension there, but Anana still loves Cameroon, still wants to represent his country. And the result is this kind of compromise where he plays as many games as possible for United pre-AFCON and then arrives and and plays uh, for Cameroon at the tournament as well. What? I mean, uh, firstly, Saul, have you officially retired or have you told them that you <laughs> <laughs> Just got to no, check. Man needs a goal. Don't worry about that. It won't pick me. <laughs> But I mean, this is quite this is quite a, a, a bizarre one, isn't it? And we talked about Wilfred Zaha, so the, the coach naturally just made that decision. It's not going to happen. But I mean, th- what kind of president is this setting for for African football? But also, in terms of the profile of the tournament, you've got the star of the team, who's a big name, clear for Cameroon, kind of picking and choosing when he's able to come. Yeah, that's what hurt me most, to be honest, Ayo. And I think that's where, if you don't respect 
you know, your own country and your own continent. Because for me, that's disrespectful. Nobody else would, would respect the country and the continent. And that's the problem. We send the wrong message time and time again. You decide to retire. You just needed to speak. Because all this, to me, is just excuses all, all around. Because we had this with Jogba. In 2015, it's exactly the same. The manager wanted him to come. He, he made it clear. He said, no, he's done it. He doesn't want to come. It's common sense. And the manager didn't pick him. Unfortunately, they wouldn't want it. And obviously, uh, DJ was disappointed. But what you do is make sure for the both parties, you do the right thing. If Onana doesn't want to go anymore, yes, Marcus Pont-On is a superstar in Africa and in Cameroon. But if he doesn't want to play for the country, I'm telling you one thing, the player won't be happy. Because if you come in, you want to, to come and defend your country and be proud and, and happy to represent your country. It's million and million Cameroonians can be pecked. And then they're seeing that and saying, like, he's just pecking and choosing, like, when to come and represent the country. That will hurt them a lot. So to me, if Onana want to go, he will go because he's a good goalkeeper and a superstar. If he doesn't want to go, you have to make it clear and the federation will respect that. And, 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 and no pick him. But all this to me is a big mess and is disrespectful for, for, for him and the, the, the country and the continent. Critch, does this play into the hands of United a little bit? I'm just thinking, you know, they could probably say, look, we bought a player who we didn't think was ever going to go on international duty. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's the biggest conversation, isn't it? Premier League teams losing their top stars to a tournament it, it, right at a pivotal time in the season. Yeah, look, I think um, that is a key point in this is that from Anana's perspective as well, I think, is that he, when he signed for United, that was under the impression that he wouldn't be missing these games. And um, he said he told them that in good faith as well, in absolute good faith. He didn't expect to be going back because he didn't think those relationships could be reconciled. Um, and to be honest, they haven't been really. As I said, like that's all still the case, but a, a very strange and almost unique set of circumstances means that things have changed. So I think from Anana's perspective was if he was going to accept <laughs> in, in air quotes the, the call up and he, if he was going to return to Cameroon a condition of that had to be that the impact on United was minimized I've mentioned these rules they don't stick up for Anana they, they don't really stick up for the clubs either and maybe they probably shouldn't right I think it's right that nations competing at AFCON and any any tournaments can go to a big club like Manchester United and say actually we want your goalkeeper I don't care if he's 40 50 million pound goalkeeper or whoever we need this play for this tournament and that's right that they should be released for the tournament but yeah I also think that it's right that if, if Onana feels that he has a duty to United to be available for them as much as possible because that was what was agreed when he signed and that was his expectation when he signed then it's right that you know United fight his corner and want his wishes to be respected and I think in the end actually what's happened is a compromise that is a bit weird it's a bit funny but it does suit all parties in the end and we'll see whether he's playing in the first game against Guinea maybe the turnaround's too tight um, but he's going to he's going to be leaving straight after he's literally getting out of Old Trafford going to the airport getting a private jet and flying over to the Ivory Coast and in this really such a complex situation that's just about the best that both sides could hope for. Well, but think, to be yeah. fair, Mark, sorry, I jump on there. He's on the play, he's on he's on the player. It's not on United. United have nothing to do with it, in my opinion, because what I'm I'm, I'm annoyed with is when before Onana got to United, he didn't miss any call up. He was there for every game, he played tournament and he raised his profile. Now you ended up with one of the best clubs in the world. You don't want to represent your country anymore. That's the problem. And it shouldn't be the case. The country helping you to get to the best club in the world. And now you're there, you're like, oh, I'm not bothered. Like, what's going on? For me, United is doing nothing wrong at all. Sorry, Jay, go on. No, I was just going to say, um, 
I feel for Anana a little bit because I think he's been put in a very tricky situation and, and I think more questions need to be asked of Samueletto in this situation. Firstly, because of the fact that, of course, he's the president of the Cameroon football, Fekafoot, I think they're called. Of course, he will put his input on team selection, but I think he's clearly crossed the line in terms of telling Rigobert Song at the World Cup in 2022, drop him if he's you know not going to our demands. I, th- I think that's wrong and then the fact that he's sent him home afterwards I think is wrong I don't think I don't perceive that as good leadership you should try and find some sort of middle ground and and, and even the fact that he watched his team at a world cup from the hotel I think is just quite demeaning and then also I think we should also point out Eto's not covered himself in glory with some other situations as well because he is being investigated by the confederation of african football over some alleged match fixing so I feel like not enough people are kind of talking about his role in the situation. Yes, Onana, it's ultimately his decision. But I also think that Eto needs to be more accountable for some of the things he's done because he clearly is not setting the greatest example. And it feels to me a little bit like if Eto wasn't in charge, then this issue may be a bit of a non-issue. Critch, hmm. I really appreciate your time. Sorry to just drop you in for for this chat, but I know, uh, you know you're across it, so we thought we'd just get you in for it. I really appreciate it and enjoy watching the tournament, brother. No problem. Thanks, guys. So just a, a, a quick one. Um, I'm, I just want to touch on something, actually. It just made me think about it. In terms of that balance of dealing with big European stars and they come back to the African team setup that might not be quite in sync. Mm. Sometimes, you know, as, as a fan of the game, you sometimes see it that, you know, some of the players don't necessarily have respect for the institutions they're coming back to because look, you know, I think about JJ Koch, I think about uh, Kanu. I mean, those guys are on big money in, in big, big clubs, Inter yeah, Milan, yeah, yeah. Juventus, yeah. Paris Saint-Germain. And then you come back to something and it's like, I might not get paid this week or whatever. How do you take that seriously? I mean, how do we get that balance? Yeah, it's difficult. Like You're not going to lie, but I think right, you need to remember where you come from. To me, it's as simple as that. Because before being a superstar and earning a lot of money and playing for those clubs, you were playing in those in the streets in Africa, and you were you, you would give anything to be to, to represent your country. So I think you need to remember that a little bit. I think what is good is those big players raise the bar for the standards. Because I remember the first call up I had with the first team, we travel and Drogba was raging because the travel condition wasn't good, uh, the hotel wasn't good. The, the boss came and picked us up late and he's like, listen, I'm not going to come anymore. And everyone was like scared. And he said, because I'm not being like a diva on it and like that, right? I'm in one of the top clubs in the world. Everything is is, is looked after for me to be the, to, uh, on the best condition to perform. You guys, it's trouble, it's late, it's this, it's this. If you want me to perform at the highest level and to be as good as I am with Chelsea, you have to change this. And that is doing it the right way. And this is okay, in my opinion, because you just want to raise the bar for us to be better. But if you if you worried about the money you're going to get or you don't want to come because now you think you're bigger than your country, this is wrong. Mm, for sure. All right. I mean, look, uh, AFCON is well known, let's be honest, for certain controversies, pay, all that kind of stuff before, yeah. <laughs> the, before the tournament. But also, I mean, look, I, I don't want this to diminish uh, the quality of the tournament and the strides that, that the tournament has made over the last few years. It's an exciting watch and pretty much loads of Africans globally tune in to watch it. But I mean, I, I can't dismiss what's happening with the Gambian players right now. You know, um, they have gone on strike due to financial issues once again. And I don't know if you've seen it, but 
but it was a piece that was just sent to me just now from uh, former Manchester United defender uh, Sadie Janko, who says the players are on a flight and that, that the flight has had to basically made an emergency stop because there was no aircon on, it, on yeah. the flight. Yeah. I mean, they've been, you know, been traveling for about 30 odd hours from Saudi Arabia where they were training uh, at a camp and they're supposed to be at the tournament in, in what, 24 hours or so. I mean, this is not the best preparation, is it, so? But that's the problem though, but, and that's what I always said and that's what I was saying about the standards of like, you know, how we, we, we all have to do better as a, as a continent because, like I said, all those small things like, you know, details are, are very important and all those small things make you a bigger team, a bigger country. And that's why we don't understand our, our representatives have to do better. You know, the president of federation, the president of, 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 of CAF, like on Africa and everything. They have, even themselves, they got problem with FIFA and everything. That's where we have to do better to make sure it's no corruption because sometimes it happens, unfortunately, in Africa. Until all that's going to be sorted, we all, we never going to be taken seriously. And we know, we know as a players, that the, our federation, every uh, um, team we qualify for the AFCON, they got paid from the CAF. So our, our representative, they have to do better with the money. Yes, it's always argument about bonuses. And at the end, we always find a way. But traveling situation have to be spot on because for them to travel, like you said, from Saudi Arabia to Ivory Coast is a long flight. No aircon. The flyer have to turn back to go back to where it came from. Like, we're talking about safety. Come on. And that, until we're going to be better on this, we, we're never going to be taken seriously. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to The Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akimole. Ahead of the tournament, The Athletic will be releasing a dedicated edition of The Radar, featuring a number of standout teams and players to watch out for during AFCON. Now, joining us, having delved through the data, as he does, he, he actually finds it fun, which is great. Uh, <laughs> and contributing to The Radar is our very own uh, Tom Harris. Tom, 
talk to us, man. You've been crunching through the numbers, crunching through all the data. What are the exciting themes then to look out for through the tournament? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty to get stuck into. I mean, we've got 24 players from 18 different nations uh, involved in the radar this year. So that's, you know, lots of coverage for lots of nations that we don't usually talk about. Um, and some really interesting players, you know, from the likes of Guinea-Bissau and um, Zambia, we've got a few players in and, you know, Mali, just lots and lots of teams that we, we're not talking about on a regular basis. But they have players who have the potential to light up this tournament, particularly because AFCON is so unpredictable. And there are some talents in there, you know, even Bebe, who's playing. Is he still playing there, football? The man United guy. Kind of, <laughs> he's still playing football and he's still got it. And, you know. That kind of talent, that mercurial talent where you can just kind of click into gear and uh, light up a game and light up a tournament. Yeah, I think it's going to be great fun. What are you thinking, Jay? Yeah, I mean, um, we haven't spoken about Ghana yet, which seems quite strange because they are really one of the, the powerhouses of the continent. And I'm really invested in Ghana. Obviously mentioned earlier about, um, you know, fond memories of watching them at the 2010 World Cup. I got the chance to watch them in um, in Qatar as well. I'm really nervous. They've not had great results. They were really erratic at the World Cup. They lost, I think it was 2-0 to Mexico in October, 4-0 to the US. And I should point out they were 4-0 down by by half time. They did beat Madagascar in World Cup qualifying with a goal in the last minute from Anaki Williams. But then they lost to the Comoros in the next game. Very much feels like all of their chips are on uh, somebody you may have heard of called Mohamed Kudos. But he's he hasn't been able to train with them that much because he's been struggling with, a, I think it's a hamstring injury. So... Chris Hewton, obviously former Brighton, um, Nottingham Forest, Newcastle United manager, is their, their head coach these days. And I worry he's not worked out what his starting eleven is. You know, they finished bottom of their group at the last tournament and that was a fiasco. And I, I do quite worry that they won't get to the last 16 again. And when you consider that, I should point out, it's a 24-team tournament, 16 teams progressed to the knockout stages. So the top two from every group and then the four third best place sides I'm a little bit worried that they won't go as far as they should do in this tournament. Mm. And Tom, I'm just thinking um, Nigeria, uh, you know, mentioned them there. Saul's not confident <laughs> uh, because there's the firepower, but no defensive yeah. power. Um, what, what are your thoughts uh, in, in that respect? And also, let's not forget Morocco as well, as we mentioned at the top of the pod. Yeah, I mean, Nigeria, obviously, it's mouthwatering, really. The, the options that they have up front I think some of the names in there obviously Aussie men is a big one but you know Adamola Luckman has kind of gone under the radar a little bit I think and Atalanta has been playing really well and he's been basically operating on a goal contribution a game over the last two seasons so he's he's going to be a live wire at the top of that team but yeah I think that game between you know Nigeria and Ivory Coast is going to be really interesting just because it is that you know start of the attack versus this interesting defense with lots of really you know up-and-coming defenders young up-and-coming defenders in that game but yeah I mean another team people don't seem to be mentioning too much which I found quite strange is Algeria because you know they have only really lost they've won it yeah and they, they lost one game in 2023 and that was a final which they lost on penalties they're on a, a, a crazy unbeaten run Obviously, there's Riyad Mahrez in there, but there's also uh, Amin Guiri, who's a 24-year-old by the time the tournament starts. Striker, who's got 15 goals in Liga in last season. They've got a strong midfield. Benacer's come back into that, the AC Milan midfielder. I think, you know, they've got a favourable group as well. No disrespect to Angola and Mauritania, but they should be beating those nations. So I think they've got a, a decent chance of... of making a good run for it as well. All right, so we haven't mentioned the the, the, the awaiting king of Africa, Morsala, who hasn't actually lifted 
the Cup of Nations Cup. I mean, this is bizarre. <laughs> that, that, he's got close. Yeah. Bit like you. Yeah. Doesn't mean he's a bad player. <laughs> Bit like you. He, he's got close. But, you know, this would be that moment, is it? wouldn't it? Like, you know, he, he's not getting any younger. This Egypt team really needs to produce something, don't they? Absolutely. And it's weird to think, like, you know, Egypt won seven times and Salah haven't won it. For the player who represent um for the country and what he's done for his own country, for the continent, sorry, and what he's done for his own country, he'd be great. I don't think he'd be this one because that's for us. That's for Avery Coast. Let's put it this way, right? <laughs> We're winning that, okay? But for him, I, I will love it, you know, for, for everything he's done. He won the Premier League. He won absolutely everything he can win in the game, the Champions League. You know, he'd be great. And what he represents for Egypt as well, you know, it'd be wonderful for him. And I think that's the only thing he's missing. So, you know, I think they've got a good chance. They've got to know how, you know, they, they Always on the last four, they won it seven times. Is a record, so you know they've got they've got their chance definitely. Mm, I, I want to finish on this, and so we've sort of Tom's spoken about my favourite game of the tournament, Nigeria Ivory Coast. <laughs> I mean, come on, man! Like this is this is a, a battle of the powerhouses. Yeah. So you must be licking your lips at that oh, one. Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait because, as you know, you like it's a big rivalry because between us, us two, in it. The pressure is on us because we're playing at home. You got like some strong firepower in front, like we like we said. We got relatively young defense, so it's going to be interesting to see. Be a big test for us, uh, but you know, you never you never win in Avery Coast. Never we we lose. A, we, <laughs> you know, you win a long time in Lagos, and that that's fine. We give you that. But in our own <laughs> turf, it's got no chance for you guys to win because you know if that's the case, I can't go out anymore. You know? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. you. I think you played... Did you not play on the team that played Nigeria in 2013? I, I think Absolutely. you played the, the Super Eagles yes, as well. Yes. What were your memories of playing the Super Eagles? Because that, that team was pretty decent oh, It was very, well. very good. Yeah, I remember in front, you, you, you had top players and uh, you give me give me a very, very difficult time with me and Kolo. <laughs> you know, we actually lost that game because we got beat in 2013 I by know. you. That's why I mentioned yeah. it. That's why I mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, well... That's the problem, though, because we, we, we really rarely lose against you guys, as you know. So when that's the case, we always get remembered. So that one is the last time we lost against you guys. And trust me, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult memory to remember. But um, this one, you know, you know winning. Whatever you do, 100% you're not going to win that game. I'm telling you now. Do you know what? I, I would love it. I would absolutely <laughs> love Nigeria to be Ivory Coast on home no can you imagine no the chaos in Lagos? <laughs> there will be no, look, look, the traffic will go on for three hours, bro. People getting out of their cars, dancing on their exactly. cars. If Nigeria <laughs> beat the Ivory Coast in Ivory Coast, uh, Jay, Jay, a, a, any any mouthwatering ties? Any ones you look you're looking at, thinking, oh god, this could be really special? Yeah, so I think um, Egypt, Ghana, mm. obviously um, Salah versus Kudos, two of the best African talents, and you know, personally, two of the best talents in the Premier League as well. Please keep an eye out on Group C. It's um, Cameroon, Guinea, Senegal, those three. You're probably going to say every time they play each other, that's going to be an incredible occasion. Cameroon versus Senegal in particular. Yeah. Um, and then just another thing which intrigued me, Tanzania. Um, so I think it's yes. they're the second lowest ranked side in the tournament in their opening game have the small task of taking on Morocco. And obviously, one of the reasons we all love these tournaments is because of the upsets. And I'm not saying Tanzania are about to produce an upset, but I think what an amazing challenge that Tanzania go ahead and, and do that. Um, so I think that will be a good fun as well. Yeah, I also think that, you know, I've sort of mentioned it earlier, like, you know, 
if I look at the Super Eagles, for instance, names like Peter Rufai, like a goalkeeper that not many people knew, the African Cup of Nations is a really wonderful tournament for him to be seen by the world, Sol. And that is it again. We're being introduced to some young gems that could be stars of the future. Absolutely. And that's why we love it, really. You know, uh, Jay was mentioning uh, uh, Gambia. I think it's it'd be interesting to see. Uh, you know, so many. I, I was part of, unfortunately, that upset when... Uh, um, Zambia, uh, Zambia yeah, beat us, you know, in the final in 2012, you know. Uh, so, listen, it's, 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 it's why we love the tournament. There's so many upset. It's so unpredictable, like Tom said, you know. So we, we're really, really excited. And like I said before, I think it's probably going to be the toughest one for the, for the last 10, 15 years. So I'm so excited. I can't wait for, for, for the tournament to start. So I'm gonna you're gonna get a, a social media message off me. You know that Nigeria Ivory Coast is happening. Just just let 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 the battle commence. Definitely, yeah? but you'd be so disappointed. You won't even actually text me because you know. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Let's end it there before it gets too feisty. Sol, Jay, Tom, and also Mark, really appreciate your time. And also, before I forget, the radar drops. On The Athletic on Friday. All Tom's hard work and loads of people's hard work has gone into that. So make sure you check it out. Please remember to rate and review the podcast if you're enjoying it. Enjoy AFCON as it kicks off. And you can also subscribe to The Athletic for $2 or £2 a month for 12 months. Just head to theathletic.com forward slash football pod. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beal. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. To listen to other great athletic football podcasts for free, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. The Athletic Football Podcast is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.